One of the fun things about preaching is that every week I learn something new. This week I learned something new that's kind of interesting. Did you realize that, that Amazon keeps track of your highlights? Some of you use an Amazon reader, maybe like a Kindle, to read books and such. And a lot of you, when you read that Amazon Kindle, you'll highlight various passages. Did you realize Amazon knows about those highlights? And so they compile a list of the most highlighted phrases or ideas in a particular book. And that goes into their database, and it helps them to know some things about us as a culture, those who are reading Amazon books and such. I found that fascinating. But the thing that I found most fascinating was that I, I found out that Amazon also keeps track of the highlights we make as we read an online Bible. And so a lot of times you're reading that Bible and you'll highlight certain notes. Now, they came up with a list of the most highlighted verses in the Bible. And so what do you think would make that list? You know, there are some obvious answers to that. You would think that maybe a passage like Psalm 23, a very well-known passage, would make the list. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or maybe that phrase where it says, you know, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil, fear with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You would think maybe in the New Testament, a passage like Matthew 6, where Jesus teaches us to pray, particularly that phrase I like in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, verse 10, where it says that... Um, we're to pray for the kingdom to come. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, maybe, maybe John 3.16 would be one that's highlighted. What do you think would make that list? Well, you can read that list. You can go online, and the list changes just a little bit from month to month as people are, are reading their Bibles. But there's one verse that, as I looked at a couple of different lists, made both lists. And one list, it was number one. And the other list I saw, it was number two. And it's a verse I would have never really thought of. And I think that the fact that we highlighted this one verse so much says something about maybe what's going on with us as a culture. The verse happens to be my favorite. It's Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, which says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I think that's telling that that was the verse, it was either number one or number two, that was the verse that was highlighted by the most people. A verse that says, don't be anxious, don't worry, don't be afraid. It says to me that a lot of people in our present culture are afraid. And... When you think about it, we're exposed to so much on television and in social media, it just makes sense that we'd, we would be filled with a little fear. Just this past week, all of us in this room are aware of yet another shooting in our country, this time in Florida. 17 kids were murdered in cold blood. And so it, 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 it makes us wonder, are our kids safe? Now, we have good schools in Wilson County, both public and private. But we start to wonder, are our kids really safe? And I, and I know our schools, and, and a lot of you who work in schools, you're taking all sorts of precautions, and you're, making, you're trying your best to make sure our schools are safe, but yet somewhere down in the depths of our heart, as a parent, when we send our kids off to school, we wonder. We have health concerns, health fears and worries. 
It seems like every week I hear of some new person who's diagnosed with some form of cancer. Cancer is just ravaging our country, and so we're concerned. We have financial worries. Um, you know, the stock market has been, man, just moving up uh, very well in the last little bit. And then a week or so ago, it became very volatile, and, and so we have financial concerns. We have relational concerns, relational worries, and, and on and on it goes. In the midst of all this fear, you see, we are seeking peace. We want that peace that we read of in that verse that says we can have this peace that, that passes all understanding. And so the question we raise this morning is where do we find peace when it feels like our lives are bobbing up and down on a sea of fear? This morning, I think Jesus has a word for us. I mentioned just a moment ago, we're in this message series where we're looking at some questions that Jesus asks. And you know, as I was preparing to preach this spring and summer, and I was looking at all sorts of things, considering all sorts of things, I, I was m amazed as I read through the Gospels at all the times Jesus asked questions. There are literally hundreds of questions that Jesus asks. And Jesus doesn't ask these questions because he doesn't know the answer. But he asks these questions because he wants us to wrestle with some things. And so these questions are very significant. And the question we we're looking at this morning, I think, is very timely. It's found in Mark chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you may want to open to Mark 4, and we'll look just at the verses at the end of that chapter. And so Jesus had been with his disciples all day teaching. And he taught them many things about the kingdom of God, and he, he used story or parable as the main way that he communicated. And he was this amazing teacher and he tried to drive home his, his message. And then he spent a lot of alone time with his disciples answering questions. If they didn't get it, if they didn't quite understand what Jesus was saying, he got with them one-on-one -on -one or, or, or got with them as a group. You know, when you're preaching and teaching, you never really know when what you're saying is sinking into people's hearts. I mean, generally, as I look out at you every week, you look like you're reasonably interested. You look like you're paying attention, at least most of you. Some not so much, but most of you look like you're interested and you're engaged in the things that, that are being uh, preached. But really, as a preacher and teacher, you never really know if, if this message is sinking deeply into our hearts. You never know if what you're saying is really making a difference. And so here's Jesus, and he's teaching these disciples, and he doesn't really know if they get it or understand it quite yet. And so today, he's going to find out. You see, it's one thing to acknowledge Jesus and to follow Jesus when your life is calm. But when the storm hits, it often brings some things out in the open. When we experience these storms in life, then we come to find out whether or not this faith that we profess, this faith that we sing about, we come to find out if it really means a lot to us. And so it's the evening, Jesus has been preaching and teaching, and he says to his disciples, let's go to the other side. And so they leave the crowds, they get into a boat, and they head out onto the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee is a, is a large body of water, it's about 13 miles long and 8 miles wide. 
at its deepest, it's something like 141 feet deep. It's the lowest, I'm told, freshwater lake on earth. It's surrounded by hills and, and valleys. And so the valleys serve as a kind of a wind tunnel. And one of the things about this sea, I'm told, is that a lot of times storms come very quickly. And those storms can be sudden and quite fierce. We don't know, long how, long, we don't know how long they've been out on the sea on this boat. But seemingly out of nowhere, this storm blows in. I remember one time when I was a young boy, my family took a vacation to Kentucky Lake. And we didn't own a boat, and we hadn't been out on the water very much. We had some friends who owned a boat, and we, it was a, we had a ball that week. But I remember one evening when we're out on this boat, and, and you could tell the storm was blowing in. The skies start to turn gray. We hear this storm is coming. You, you feel the wind start to pick up. Uh, you see white caps on the water. And that little boat, actually it was a pretty big boat, but that boat started to bob up and down. And I remember to this day how that the adults on that trip began to get a little bit nervous. I could sense an urgency in them. They said, we need to head back. And to this day, I remember feeling that fear. Well, Mark uses some very strong language to describe the experience that the disciples had out on the Sea of Galilee. He says... This storm, and the language he uses was, he calls it a, a furious squall came up. This is no little storm. It's a furious squall. It's an angry, violent storm. And it comes up very quickly. And so imagine as these disciples are on the boat, this storm rages, and the water is rough and choppy, and the wind is blowing. That, that ship is just, that boat is being tossed back and forth. The little boat is starting to take on water, and they're afraid for their life. They literally think they're going to lose their life. They literally think this ship is going down. And so although the Jews are not generally seafaring people, I'm told, there's some aboard that little boat who'd been out on the water a lot. There are some among Jesus' disciples who made their living fishing. And so they're afraid. And we wonder, where is Jesus in all of this? Well, Mark tells us, as he illustrates and describes what's going on, Mark tells us that Jesus is asleep in the stern, meaning in the back, and, and he finds a cushion. That I, we mentioned that last Sunday morning in the message. I love that little detail. Jesus is asleep on a cushion. Now, whenever I see someone with a cushion, I know that means one thing. They want to go to sleep. I mean, if I saw some of you walk in with a cushion, that wouldn't be very positive to me as a preacher. I would know that means you want to fall asleep. And so here's Jesus. He's asleep on this cushion. And the contrast between Jesus and the disciples could not be more striking. Jesus is sleeping and the disciples are panicking. Jesus is experiencing peace in contrast to the disciples' fear. And so the disciples wake Jesus up, and they, make this, they ask him this question. They said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, we learn a lot by listening to the questions Jesus asks, but we also learn something by listening to the questions that the disciples ask. This is an interesting question. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? This is a question that's asked out of a sense of fear. 
And it seems to me the kind of fear that the disciples are experiencing on that boat, it does two things. One, it erodes our confidence in God's goodness. Teacher, don't you care? Don't you care about us? See, often that question is asked when we find ourselves in a storm. We wonder, where's where's God in all of this? God, don't you care? I mean, this is a difficult time in my life. And if the storm in our life rages long enough and is, is difficult, is hard, we often ask that question with a, from a sense of injustice. It just doesn't seem right. But that fear that the disciples are experiencing does something else. Not only does it erode our confidence in God's goodness, it, it, second of all, it causes us to forget. Hadn't the disciples seen the miracles that Jesus... Yes, they had seen those miracles. Hadn't, he been with Je- hadn't they been with Jesus when he feeds all these people? Hadn't they been with Jesus when he did these incredible things? Yes. They'd been with him during those times. And yet somehow they'd forgotten all of that. They didn't realize who was asleep in the boat. And sometimes we're the same way. We're going through a storm, a difficulty, something that's really hard. And, and we forget the times in the past when God has been so faithful. We forget the times in the past when God has worked in our lives. And so there's a hint of desperation, even accusation in this question. These men are desperate, and it seems to them that Jesus is distant. But Jesus doesn't respond to their question. He doesn't answer it. No, he just he gets up. I love this part of the story. He gets up, and what does he do? He rebukes the winds and the waves. He says, quiet, be still. It's almost like he's talking to a little child. Quiet, be still. And as Jesus does that, suddenly the winds die down. And you know what? It takes a little time for waves to stop, but... But when Jesus says, quiet, be still, the waves stop. And and suddenly, they're they're not in the midst of a raging storm. Suddenly, that that little boat is is in calm waters. What amazing power and authority Jesus has. And then Jesus looks at the disciples and he asks a question. And this is the question that I want us to consider for just a moment or two this morning. Jesus says to his disciples, and he says to us, I think these questions are powerful when we don't consider them just in terms of what Jesus says to others, but these questions have power for our lives when we understand he's asking us this question. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says to them, why are you so afraid? Now, on one level, the answer is obvious, isn't it? The disciples could have said, why are we afraid? Because the water was coming into the boat, because we're in the midst of this storm, because it looked to us like we were about ready to lose our lives. That's why we are afraid. And you know, when we're in the midst of a raging storm, we might answer the same way. I realize this morning I'm speaking to people who are in the midst of some storms. Some of you are involved in a storm called cancer. Some of you are facing a storm called divorce. For some of you, your storm is called bankruptcy. Or maybe your storm is called death. Some of you are in the boat and you're experiencing this storm called grief. 
Maybe your storm has to do with your kids or your marriage or your future. I'm not so sure what it is. But one of the things I know about every single person in this room, every person in this room has faced a storm, is facing a storm, or will face a storm. You know, it's fascinating. Sometimes we think that because we sign up to follow Jesus, because we're disciples of Christ, we think we should get storm avoidance insurance. We think because we decide to follow Jesus, other people are going to be in a boat and experience storms, but not us. And yet Jesus is with his disciples while they're experiencing the storm. And then Jesus follows that question of, why are you so afraid, with another question that gets even a little deeper. He says to his disciples, do you still have no faith? Now, the word that jumped off the page at me this week as I was reading this passage is the word still. Do you still have no faith? Again, here are the disciples. They'd been with Jesus. They had seen his miracles. They had listened as he taught. They had these private interactions with Jesus. Jesus explained things and clarified things. He talked about the kingdom. He talked about so many things. You would think their faith would be so deep that they realized who they were in the boat with. And yet Jesus says, do you still have no faith? Our our faith, it really should make a difference in terms of how we face storms. And so here's the fascinating thing. You know, when I'm reading a passage of Scripture, when I'm reading a story... A question that I ask myself as I'm reading that paragraph is, what's the odd thing in this text? What's the really weird thing you find in this story? There's something very weird. I don't know if you've considered it or thought about it. But look, if you have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen, but look at verse 41. Here's something that's interesting. Right after they were afraid because of this incredible storm, and now the storm gets still, verse 41 says, they were terrified. And then they ask each other, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Now, they were scared when they were in that boat and and the storm looked like it was going to take them under. They were very scared then. But verse 41, the word is intensified. The word says, now they're terrified. Now they're scared out of their wits. Why are they so afraid? It's because they're starting to understand who they're in this boat with. It's a question I've asked myself this week is what will change our perspective while we're in the storm? If you know when you it's it's when you have a full understanding of who is in the boat. They now know they're in the boat with God come in the flesh. They were afraid of the storm, but they're terrified of the Lord of the storm. Understand, there's a fear that Jesus brings. You have to understand the fear that Jesus brings before you can understand the fear that Jesus relieves. Fear is a natural response of human beings being in the presence of of the Almighty God. So this week I've been thinking about when was the time when I was maybe most afraid? Oh, I was a little afraid when I was on the boat when I was a kid and I saw the adults getting nervous. But, but when's the time in my life when I was scared to death? I may have told you this story before, but, but it's really the time of my life when I was most afraid. I was newly married. We didn't have any kids yet. We did have three animals, two dogs and a cat. 
And it was around Christmas time, and we were just we were on a trip, getting ready to make a trip to see my mom and dad uh, up up north of where we lived. We were living in Jackson, Tennessee at the time, and it was raining a lot. It was raining like it was yesterday. I mean, it, the rain was just coming down in sheets. In fact, we'd heard that the road we were going to take, 45 East, we'd heard that it was that road was flooding. So I called the. Uh, I called the police, the, the state patrol, and asked if the road was still open, 45 East. And they said, 45 East is open. It's one lane. You can, and I'll never forget, the police officer said, you can probably make it if you leave now. Reflecting back on it, the word probably, that, that word should have scared me maybe a little more than it did. So, so we got all of our presents. It was Christmas time. We got all of our presents, got our two dogs and cat in this little bitty car, and off we went. We headed north. And the, and the rain didn't subside. I mean, it was coming down like crazy. It was raining, sheets. And I remember we're riding, we're, we're, we're on this road, and we see the water on the sides of the road, and we go a little further, and the water's up to the road, then the water's on the road, and then, then suddenly there's only one lane of traffic. The water's up on the road. And, and so we're headed, and, and there's this line of cars and so, you know, I go for it. I'm, I can't, don't feel like I can stop, so I'm, I'm going. And, and the further we go, the water now is over the road. I don't see a white line. I don't see a road. I'm just paying attention to the car in front of me. They're rear, they're rear lights. And I'm gauging where I am by looking at the telephone poles on the side of the road. I roll the window down to get you know, some kind of perspective. I'm looking out the window. The water's cracking. And I'm, the water from the, from the road is splashing up into the car. My dogs and cat are not happy. And I'll never forget thinking to myself, I bet my wife is very afraid. I need to be a leader. I need to be strong. I looked over at my wife and I said, We're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. I was, you know, I had this image in my mind, which is probably wasn't out of the blue for this situation. I had this image of my mind of our car being swept, you know, down the way, and, and there go my dogs and cat, and there goes the, you know, presents and my wife, and I mean, all the rest. I, I had that image flashing through my mind. I was afraid of the storm. But should I not be even more afraid of the God of the storm? The Bible opens in Adam and Eve sin and they hide from God. It closes in the book of Revelation with this scene where, where John, the one who was so close to Jesus, in the Gospel of John, John describes himself as the one whom Jesus loved. The Last Supper, John is reclining next to Jesus. His, his head is on the, the chest, the breast of Jesus, and he can literally hear the heartbeat of Jesus. He was that close to Jesus. But now, in the book of Revelation, John sees the resurrected, glorified Jesus in all of his glory, in all of his holiness, in all of his power. And you know what John does? He falls down as, just like he's dead. Why is that? You see, to fear the Lord is to know who he is and to stand in his presence. If you don't fear the Lord, then friends, you don't know the Lord. And understand, this is a good kind of fear. This is the fear that Jesus brings this is a healthy fear. And this healthy fear helps us to deal with all the unhealthy, neurotic fear that tries to sidetrack us. 
Let me put it like this. This is a, really a paraphrase of something that Oswald Sanders said. You see, when you fear Jesus, you don't have to fear anything. You don't have to be afraid of anything. When you don't fear Jesus, you should be afraid of everything. When you fear Jesus, you don't have to be afraid of death because he's victorious over it. When you fear Jesus, you don't have to be afraid of what's going to happen in your life because he is sovereign and he is in control. When you fear Jesus, you don't have to be afraid one day when you stand in his presence because you're made right and holy by the blood of Jesus. But if you don't fear Jesus, friend, you should be afraid of everything. You should be afraid of death. You should be afraid of disease. You should be afraid of what happens in this life. But when you fear Jesus, you don't have to be afraid. And so the disciples were in the boat. They suddenly get a vision of Jesus. And they're terrified. And the irony is that fear will prepare them to do the things that he's going to call them to do later on in their ministry. The famous artist Rembrandt painted a picture depicting this scene in Mark chapter 4. His painting is called The Storm on the Sea of Galilee. And I think if you look at that painting long enough, you can almost feel the, the rain and the winds, you know, uh, you can almost, you know, experience what those disciples were experiencing. You, you, you feel that, that boat bobbing up and down. And if you look closely enough, you'll see a lot of interesting things. You may not be able to see the detail from where you're sitting, but if, if you look closely enough, you'll notice there are 14 people painted on the ship. And all of them, all of them have varying expressions on their faces. All of them are experiencing different things in the storm. You wonder, why did Rembrandt paint 14? They're 12 disciples. And then there's Jesus. He's in the boat with them. Why 14? Because Rembrandt knew what Jesus knows, and, and that is all of us will be in the storm at some point. Rembrandt painted himself into the picture because he will experience a storm, and, and so will you. But if you look closely, you'll notice something else you'll see that there's a mast, and the mast is in the shape of the cross. Understand, it's through the cross that we're delivered from the ultimate storm and we're given the strength to face our daily storms. But there's one other little detail that I just found fascinating this week, and it's this. There's one person in the boat who seems to know who Jesus is. You probably can't see it, but there's a person sitting really at the feet of Jesus. And that person is not looking at the storms. He's not looking at the others on the boat. That person is looking down. He's bowing. He's at the feet of Jesus. He knows who Jesus is. He knows when you fear Jesus, you don't have to be afraid of anything. He knows that while Jesus may not deliver us from our storms, he will always deliver us through our storms. And while the sky today might be cloudy and stormy, the clouds will break and the sun will one day come out again. Even in the picture, we see the sky in the, in the distance starting to break like the sun's going to come out again. He knew what we should know. 
with Jesus in our boat, it will never sink. And so some of you today might be experiencing some real fear. We turn to Jesus. We fear Jesus. We know he is God. He is in the boat with us. That's liberating. We don't have to be afraid of anything else. Today, if you're experiencing some fear, if you find yourself in the midst of a storm, we'll have some elders and their wives in the very back. They would love to pray with you. They would love to help you in any way that they can. This morning, if you need to respond to Jesus, if you look at life and you're just very afraid because you've never embraced Jesus, you've never, you've never gotten in the boat with Jesus, if, if that's you this morning, we'd love to help you find the Lord and, and get in the boat with him. Today, if we can help you in any way, come as we stand and as we sing.